beautiful day today. The sun is slanted on a beautiful angle as it always is during the autumn. I'm taking a walk, believe it or not. During this pandemic, I've been working out doing Tai Chi and Qigong. A lot of meditation, but I've often neglected getting out and doing something aerobic. I've always read that walking is one of the best exercises that there is mainly because it's very natural. Long ago here on planet Earth, people used to do a lot of walking. That's what they did all of the time. In fact, when they were hunters and gatherers, for most of the day, human beings would walk. There's this idea that they used to be starving and running around and looking for food all the time. But the truth is, that people used to find quite a bit of food out in nature. Many of them, in fact, only worked about four hours a day looking for food and finding food. And the rest of their time was spent in community. They knew how to do everything that was necessary to make their lives wonderful and beautiful. They knew how to make their own clothing, they knew how to build houses. They knew how to catch and prepare their food. They knew how to do the things that we often leave off for other people to do because we have to go out and work for someone else. There was no farming to feed other people. There is only foraging, knowing what grew and when it grew in the area that you were in and moving from place to place during the seasons. There were times, of course, when people were hungry, perhaps because they couldn't find food, but the human body is designed to eat less than most of us eat today. In fact, the person we would demean and call fat and heavy nowadays would have been perfect for those days because their body was able to store enough food for the limited times when they couldn't find food. So today, living on planet Earth, we can get food anywhere if we have the right amount of money. Slips of paper with the right picture and the right numerals, or even now, the right plastic card with the right name and numerals can get us all the food that we want. And the more that we go out and leave our homes every morning and work for other people, the more of these slips of paper that we get. But we also find that we're not happy. In fact, according to many 
measurements, the United States is found to be one of the least happy nations in the world, even though we have all kinds of things. How can this be? You might ask. It's because we have given up our lives in order to procure things. I think a lot of the stories that we take from the old biblical texts here in the West apply to us and that's why we take them. One of the biggest stories was a story about Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the one who hung around with his mother all the time. He developed all these feminine traits, learned how to cook and do all kinds of things that helped him take care of himself. And Esau was the one who was the man's man, out hunting all of the time in the field, catching things, killing animals, doing what was necessary. Mighty, powerful man, but these people were twins, you see. And one day, Esau, who was just born seconds before Jacob and was about to get the blessing whenever his father died, which meant getting most of the property and the high position, was out in the field hunting. He didn't catch anything. He comes home and Jacob has just prepared some soup with these red beans. And so he's making the soup and Esau asked for some soup. And Jacob said, well, you give me the blessing you're gonna receive and I'll give you the soup. Esau says, hey, what good is a blessing in the future? I'm starving to death now, sure. So he makes a deal with Jacob that he can get the blessing when the father dies, thinking, of course, that their father's never going to go along with it. But their mother finds a way to trick Jacob into getting, excuse me, to trick their father into thinking that Jacob is Esau when he's dying and giving him the blessing as was promised. I think in the case of the world, the nations, the national system, many of the people in the West have become like Esau, super masculine, man's man, nations fight, battle, carry out wars all the time, you know, and all that we're worried about is gathering up things to keep ourselves safe from nature. In the 50s and 60s, we called it using chemicals and all kinds of science to overcome nature. And that is just what we've done. Overcome nature, create that which is artificial to take care of ourselves and to replace that which is alive. We made it so that the things that are alive have less value than when they are dead. 
As I'm walking now, I look at these beautiful old trees, old pine trees and deciduous trees and all of these trees, wonderful beings. Trees were supposed to have evolved on this earth for millions of years before the first mammal and the first human being. Just think of the lineage of these things, the genetic makeup, the fact that many of them are connected under the ground through roots and through various forms of algae that allow all these trees and plants to connect and communicate with each other, and the fact that they can actually release pheromones and things like that in the air and read those coming from other plants and actually communicate with each other. They're brilliant. But to us in the West, they're more brilliant when we can cut them down, make them into paper, make them into furniture, make them into things that we can swap, things that we can sell in order to get paper with the right amount of numbers and the right picture so we can buy things. All this time fighting against nature, we never realized that we were not only fighting against the nature of the earth and plants and trees and the sky, but we were also fighting against human nature and in our great success in this culture it seems that we have diminished human nature and destroyed the connection that we had with the wonder with the beauty with the grace of not only each other but all of the things that exist around us. We, in our arrogance, have destroyed our quality of life. And the ones who are intelligent right now are just now beginning to reclaim that part of ourselves and to get rid of all of the laws, all the ideas, all of the false wisdom that keeps us separate from not only seeing the truth, but from being the truth. If you like what you're hearing, please join us on our Patreon channel or you can click a tab here in order to help support this show. We are going to go all out in order to try to do more shows and really make a contribution to the earth through doing this, through offering things at our website on www.nextstepchoaching.mysite.com and creating workshops on our group on this. So please feel free to help donate to make this program that we're putting together on our own a success. 
thank you for being with us. And we hope this will help make your life just a little better. In order to learn more, you can also go to our website and sign up for our e-newsletter that we only send out one time a month with a few links to various meditations that we will provide to you for free. Thank you once again. You may wonder, how can one be the truth when many people have been trying to figure out what truth is for centuries? Now I would say the biggest mistake that many people have made is trying to figure out what the truth is. Just because we can't explain something to the satisfaction of people walking around in white coats getting paid thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Everyone who is of truth recognizes truth when they see it. Anyone who has not deceived themselves so much that they can't experience the truth knows exactly what it is and even those who have deceived themselves know what it is because they find ways to avoid it as much as possible. What is the truth? Something that can only be understood when we understand the nature of ourselves. What is the nature of ourself? The nature of the self is that we are one. We are not little bubbles of people floating around in little bodies, separate from everyone else, trying to scrap to make a living, fighting hard to protect ourselves first, and then our little family next, and our small group of friends, and then the community, and then thinking that we are doing something more noble by getting together a bigger group to protect ourselves from the fears of the world and those who might be as violent as we are. That is not who we are. The separateness is an illusion perpetrated by those who want control. In actuality, we are one. We are all the human beings, some with dissimilarities and some with similarities, but no matter where we go, no matter what we do, if we begin to go to Mars and the Alpha Centauri, the thing that we will have in common is that we are all human beings. Most likely, we all begin at the same place. We all evolved in similar circumstances, we are all genetically related. We are all energetically related. 
our thoughts, our feelings, our hopes and dreams are all interwoven. And it's only when we realize the truth that we are one, that doors will open and this world will be free. As Krishnamurti once said, as soon as we declare ourselves separate, we create violence and division. Violence and division has to occur as we create little groups and little armies that result in competition. Competition in a society of plenty where there's enough for everyone and where scarcity is created. The goods are held by only a few people. As I said, the goods are only held by a few people. We have a car going by so loud that it sounds like a muffler's den. So that every other person's power and work ethic can be taken to create a dream of a few. In truth, this is a world of abundance. Many things are possible now through science and deep understanding of how the earth works. And if we would just live in harmony with this, it would be paradise. But those who insist on pushing forward false narratives, those with their eyes closed, those who are unenlightened will never permit that to happen. But in truth, we are one. And we need to begin to understand this nature of oneness before we take positions of power and begin to go preach individualism or raise our children with a mantra of individualism. Because if we raise our children with an understanding of love and truth, they will be greater than anyone ever thought possible. I have read several books and seen documentaries about things that I would never have believed. The strangest things that I've ever heard in my life that I never learned in school. And I have about 21 years of education. Things that would not serve the capitalist tradition. That are contrary to it. So they are not taught. One of the things is the fact that long ago on this continent, when it was known as Turtle Island, many of the Native American nations, people could actually communicate with animals. 
I don't usually say anything about myself during these shows because some of the things sound crazy. But I read about this in a book once. It said you had to be in a very meditative state and you could actually send a picture or an image from your mind to the animal and the animal would pick it up. And if you were receptive, he could send something back. One day we had just moved from this beautiful place with this beautiful neighborhood that the cat would run around and play in to this small apartment, more urban. We brought both cats with us. One cat somehow fell out the window or jumped out the window and disappeared. I still don't know where that one went. The other one was really depressed. We put a cat door in so that the cat could go in and out. There was a big place behind us, this giant graveyard, so big that you could spend your time in it. And there was also a beautiful deck that we had outside. A lot of space for the cat to roam around in, but it was new to him. So he wouldn't go out through the door at first. He always wanted us to go to the door and opened it and let him out. So I experimented with the cat. And I told the cat, I asked the cat why he didn't want to go out. And he told me that he felt like we didn't like him anymore because we opened the door before, but we didn't want to open it anymore. And I told him, well, we put that little door in so he could go out himself. It wasn't that we like, didn't like him anymore. We wanted him to go out whenever he wanted to. Then he perked up a little bit, which surprised me. And then he said that he was scared to go out of the door because he couldn't see what was outside there before he went out. And I told him, well, I'll go outside first with you and look around, then you can go out. And once you get used to going out, you can start using the door yourself. And he got a little happier and I told him we had to leave because the house was not ours anymore and it was gonna be taken over. So for us to be safe and have food, we had to leave. And it seemed he understood that. Then he got happy. I couldn't believe it. And then when my wife got home, she noticed his behavior was totally different. And she said, hey, what happened to the cat? Why is he so happy? And I said, well, I talked with him and told him what was going on. She was shocked. I was shocked too. I was shocked because I had no idea that anything like that could work. And you might be shocked as you listen to this. You might say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But do you realize that there's a woman who's been going around for 20 or 30 years doing workshops on animal communication who says that anybody can do this. Why haven't we known about this? Why does it sound so ridiculous? Why haven't they told us? Why aren't we taking our children and giving them these books so that they can begin to do something like this when they're six, seven, eight years old when they can probably do it and they can be individuals when they get to be adults who are more human than us because they're connected back with nature. 
because those who create scarcity don't want that. They want us to think we're separate. As long as we keep thinking we're separate, we'll be afraid of being destroyed. And as long as we're afraid, we will do whatever they want us to do. To my amazement, I did more reading and I found another book where a person said that he had the same experience, not only with animals, but with plants. I found that frightening and I haven't tried that because I was wondering if you opened yourself up and you could actually communicate with all of these things, how would your life be if you could communicate with every plant you walk past, every tree, every animal, every insect. To me, it was frightening. Why was it frightening to me? Once again, our illusion of being separate. But just think how it would feel if you knew that everything out there in nature was alive. And not only that, but you could speak and communicate with it. You would be living the life of a God instead of the life of a little ant on earth scrapping in order to pick up little crumbs to drag back to the nest. You would be living, not just surviving. You would be taking advantage of life on planet Earth. To learn more about us, visit us at www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com And on our Water of Compassion training page, you can get some free courses absolutely free on how to get rid of racial, class, gender biases. And it will also give you some exercises and practice and movements that will help you move your life forward to conquer this environment and to live in love and truth. Once again, that's www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com. And this is totally for free. Namaste, everyone. So my question for you, for each and every one of us is this. Do you want to live for a bowl of beans? Or do you want to reclaim the original blessing? Because all of that weird stuff I was just talking about is the original blessing. Many things that people can do that they have not dreamt of in the past or didn't know anything about are possible 
And right now, the door is open for everybody to begin to explore those gifts and talents and to claim their own gifts and talents, claim what they are good at in order to survive. And the reason I keep stressing this for young people is that young people have one great benefit and that is that they have parents, many of them, the ones who don't in this country anyway, have a means to be fed and clothed in most instances, which gives them the opportunity to find that gift and talent within and develop it to the point where they can sustain themselves and make a living off of that talent, that gift, whether it be singing or dancing or communication with animals where you can actually make a living with that if you do it long enough and well enough. Learning healing art like reflexology, massage, Reiki and energy work, which I had never heard of until the late 90s. I had been doing a lot of martial arts and Aikido where the energy called the key was supposed to be found at the center of your body through meditation and contemplation you were supposed to be able to increase the energy of that key and be able to use it during times of self-defense by relaxing letting the energy flow letting the energy move you and I was walking down to a whole food store and I saw on this board where a person was teaching something called Reiki which said that you could use that energy same thing I was studying in martial arts in order to heal people I said my goodness let me explore that took this class from a woman who was a professor And she taught me how to do this Reiki and I've been doing it ever since. And it works. Anybody can do it. Learning a little bit of the theory and getting something called an attunement. Anyone can do some healing practice. Now I do massage therapy, I do Reiki along with it, all different things one can learn to do. There is just a vast amount of things out there in this world and universe that people can learn to do. We have to get rid of this cage that they have given us of being separate, being afraid, thinking that having too much, more than enough is a necessity in life worshiping those who have much more than they need as being examples to follow because when this happens we are never satisfied with what we have or we are working so hard so hard 
that we can enjoy the fruit of our labor. I'm reminded of a person I ran into in San Diego, California. I actually ran into his wife. At the time, I was working for Stanley Steamer's Carpet Cleaner. We were the number one carpet cleaning company in the area. They were making a fortune. We were making decent money. We were called to clean up after a suicide. This man was this high-powered lawyer with tons and tons of money. One day he decided he couldn't take it anymore and killed himself. As I was cleaning, I overheard his wife talking about what happened. She said he was making so much money, he was so successful, everybody was patting him on the back because of how great he was. But he could no longer stand what he was doing, working 14, 16 hours a week. Beautiful condo he had, beautiful white pearl rugs, all of this Haitian wool and Haitian cotton sofas, all of the things that everyone wanted. He was totally depressed and he felt that he could never quit. He felt like he would have failed his wife and would lose her if he quit. All of the prestige he had from the family, everything he came to know that made him him and got him accepted would be destroyed if he quit. So he just killed himself. A successful person living in hell because the mask he had on was not who he really was. It was the mask that an insane society made him place on himself in order to be what they called a success. My suggestion to you is that if you have a mask on that resembles anything like that, decide what you really want to do and how you can do it. Take that damn mask off and live. Life is short. Before you know it, you'll find yourself looking at a loved one laying on their deathbed or you'll be on your deathbed yourself looking back at the things you did and the amount of money that you made won't mean jack shit. What will mean something is the time you spend with family, with friends, with your pets, getting to know the beauty and wonder of the earth, experiencing life and love and being a conduit of the beauty, the life and the love that you are. And that is what life on planet Earth is all about. Living on planet Earth is difficult when we live in a society like ours, where one is measured by all of the external things, sex, race, gender, appearance, weight, everything. That means very little when you think about it. Life 
means getting rid of that. Moving in harmony with nature, the divine, that inner spark in the self that comes ablaze when we allow ourselves to reach out and touch the sky.